everyone, my name is Anna Grace and welcome back to the Handprints Podcast. If you are new, like I just said, my name is Anna Grace and I am the host and creator of the Handprints Podcast, a podcast all about bringing you into conversations on faith, the gospel, and what it means to love our neighbors well. In last week's episode, I just shared a little bit about the gospel. I shared the coming of Jesus Christ into the world and what that means for us. That it means that there is an invitation open for us to step into full, abundant, eternal life through Christ and have relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did. If you have not already listened to that episode, I would highly recommend it. It will put a lot of things in context for you for this episode. But with all that being said, today I'm going to be debunking some Christian myths or myths about Christ that I find people often believe, people have heard, or people have actually had Christians tell them these things that might not actually be a reflection of Christ. Even though Jesus came into the world to save sinners, we still live in the world and we still are tempted by the world. We still sin in the world. Even though we're not bound by sin, we still fall short of the glory of God each and every day. And because of that, sometimes Christ is not reflected the way that he truly is in the Bible, the way that he truly is in relationship with him. Today I'm going to be taking from feedback I got on my Instagram about impressions people have had of Christians, of Christ, of the gospel, and I'm just going to bring some light to them through scripture. I prayed a lot over these questions. I sought out wisdom through scripture. I listened to some podcast episodes as well as sermons on some of these topics and really tried to just discern what does God say about these things? And so today, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be debunking some of the responses that I got. I'm not going to be answering every response I got just because I got enough that it would take up too much time to do that. And so I'm just going to be kind of going one by one and bringing light to each of these and doing my best to answer them. With that being said, I am bringing scripture to these. I also am inserting my own opinion to a certain extent, but I want you guys to know that the word of God has the final say, and so whatever I think doesn't necessarily matter if it's not what God thinks and it's not what his word says. Scripture tells us that the word does not come back void, that all things can actually be measured against it, that it is the living, breathing word of God, that all scripture is inspired by God. And so I truly believe that God gets the final say on this, not myself. And so I really just prayed for wisdom over this and wisdom as to where I should go in scripture to find these answers. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and start with my first assumption or impression, and that is that God doesn't love people who don't believe in him. And so first and foremost, I want to say I'm so sorry if a Christian has ever made you believe that you are not loved because you don't believe in God. That is absolutely not the truth. John 3, 16, 
which I'm sure many people have heard before, says that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It is absolutely false that God does not love those who don't believe in him. Because Jesus came into the world because God loved the world. He sent his only son because God loved us. Because God was giving us a way out, a rescue plan, a mission that he had set before the beginning of the world to save us because he loved us. But he also loves us enough to give us the choice to choose his son. This is the next assumption. If you are part of the LGBTQIA community, you are unnatural and not valid in Christianity. First off, I just want to apologize. I want to apologize that if you have ever felt unwelcomed or unloved or unwanted in church, in a Christian group, by a Christian, I am so sorry because that is not the character of Christ. If you have ever felt that you're not valid in Christianity, and I just want to say right now to clarify, none of us are valid in Christianity based on the things we've done, what's been done to us, the actions we've taken, our own righteousness or goodness, anything that we've done. Nothing could make us valid as followers of Christ except for Christ himself. John 10, 7 says, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. This is Jesus speaking. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out of the pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the only one that makes us valid. He is the gate to life. And so anyone who tries to claim that they are valid based on who they are, they're just lying to themselves. And if they try to tell you that you're invalid because of who you are, again, they're lying to themselves because Christ alone is the gate. And Christ alone came to satisfy the wrath that we never could. And to the Christian who is quick to judge others, I would just say this to you. Romans 13, 8. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Matthew 7, 1 through 3, Jesus says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard by which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the beam of wood in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take this splinter out of your eye? And look, there is a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. We are not called to condemn the world. In fact, Christ was sent not into the world to condemn it, but to save it. We are not called to judge the world. We are not called to judge those who are not in Christ. Our call, our greatest call on this earth is to know God and make him known and to fulfill the commandments all wrapped up in the one 
to love our neighbor as ourselves. That if you identify as LGBTQIA+, that you are welcome here. That we want you, that Jesus wants you. That there's nothing that you could do or say to separate you from the love of Christ. And that the opportunity to come to him is open to you. Whoever is listening to this, we want you. Christ wants you. And I'm so sorry if you've been told anything else. And there's no work we could do to earn it. There's nothing we could do to deserve it. None of us can boast in it because it's Christ who did the work. Come as you are in a relationship with him and get to know him. And I'm going to go straight into this topic because I got quite a few of these. And I think this goes right along with that. And that's Christian hypocrisy. Because all the time I hear Christians are hypocrites. And I just want to clear this one up right now. Because first of all, it's true. We are hypocrites. To a certain extent, we're all hypocrites because we've all done wrong. We've all not lived up to holiness. But the second thing here is that we should never claim to be righteous on our own as Christians because we're not righteous on our own. As I just said, none of us are valid on our own right because Jesus says in John 14, 6 that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And so if any of us believe that our own righteousness got us to the Father, then we are just lying to ourselves because our own righteousness cannot get us to the Father. In Matthew 23, 27, Jesus is speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees who considered themselves righteous based on what they had done. And Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead in every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So I would just say that often hypocrisy is built upon the fact that we believe that we are more righteous than we are. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I want you to listen to this. This is Romans 3, 23 through 26. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. God presented himself as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. So it's not our own works, guys, that make us righteous, but Christ Jesus alone who declares righteousness upon us through faith. I would also say that though we are made righteous in Christ, this is not a call that we are just able to go on doing whatever we want, being those hypocrites who on the outside are whitewashed, but on the inside are full of dirt. Because Galatians 2.17 says, But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And when you know God, when you really truly get to know him 
and you know how deeply, madly in love he is with you and the Holy Spirit has entered you. You no longer want to go on sinning. There is this urgency inside of you, this built up spirit from the Holy Spirit. When you know that your value is in Christ, that you no longer want what's of the flesh. Yes, you will still be tempted of the flesh, but I will just say that if it is a constant stirring where you don't feel any conviction, then I would just ask yourself, do I know how deeply, madly in love the Father is with me? Because when that truth becomes known to you, when the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to you, it's a life-changing, life-altering truth. And that doesn't mean that at no moment you're going to be tempted, but it does mean that the value and the worth and the life that comes from knowing that you are loved by the creator of life, it's a whole new kind of ball game that you're in. And I just love, Francis Chan talks a lot about this. There's nothing that I could say on this podcast today that could just stir up your affection enough with Christ. Yeah, you might get excited about the idea of believing in Christ and knowing this love, but there's nothing I could do to stir up this love inside of you. It's a love that the Holy Spirit has to reveal to you, that the Father has to call you to, and that you have to accept and step into. There's nothing I could say to actually change it. The Holy Spirit is the one who has to change it. The Holy Spirit is the one who has to change you. And I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying it because if you think that you just have to keep trying and striving and doing better in order to be without sin, then I just want to erase that lie. Paul says in Ephesians 3 that he prays that them, the church in Ephesus, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that they may be filled with the fullness of God. The knowledge of this love is the only thing that can bring you to repentance. It's the only thing that can bring you from sin. It is the only thing that can free you When I look at my life, when I look at the sins that continue to tempt me in my life, the only thing that makes me say no to the sin and yes to God is God himself, the love of God. Not my own willpower, not my own strength, not even my own righteousness. The only thing that actually makes me say no is because I felt a greater love. It is only by the grace of God. And I would say that if you don't know Jesus and you've experienced this and you've watched Christians do what you don't think Christians should do or Christians say one thing then do another, then I would just say we also are not perfect. We also sin, but we know the one who sets us free. Don't let us and our sin draw you away from Christ. Let it be an encouragement that anyone can come to know Christ. Don't go on thinking for a minute that you have to live up to this righteousness and then you get to know Christ. No, you actually get to first meet Christ. And when you meet Christ and you turn away from your sin and you repent and you believe that he is the Lord, then he's the one who's going to clean you up. 
And I'm just going to wrap up with this last one that says that Christians need to have it all together. And I just want to answer this based on what we've already talked about, that this actually isn't true, that we don't need to present ourselves a way that we're not, but that we can actually show up to the foot of the cross of Christ, empty, unclean, and he will clean us. And that we will not have it all together on our own, ever. (laughs) That we will always be running around trying, striving, if we don't know Christ. We can never be made holy and blameless on our own. And we don't have to try to be. Christ sets us free from that. The fruit of the Spirit that Jesus talks about. The fruit of the Spirit that are talked about throughout the New Testament that Paul writes about. Those fruit are not based on things that you could ever try to do. And if you spend your time striving and trying to be this perfect image when the inside of you is still unclean, then we go back to what Jesus was saying to the scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, for you may look clean on the outside, but the inside of your cup, it's not clean. And the thing is, we don't have to hide from God. We don't have to hide from Christ. He knows our sin because he died for our sin. He knows us fully. We don't have to hide from him. We don't have to present an image of something we're not to him. We can come completely as we are and he will clean us up. He loves us enough not just to bring us to himself, but to actually clean us and wash us. If you listened to the podcast from last week, you would have heard the story of the lost son. And at the end of the story, the lost son comes home. And before he's home, while he's still a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. The son repents. He's turned back to his father. But he's still dirty. He's still unclean. And the father is the one who dresses him in these robes in elegant attire, who makes him blameless, holy, clean, who celebrates him. The son cannot do that on his own. He was empty. He longed to eat from the pods that the pigs ate from. He had nothing. He was desperate. He was unclean. But the father, y'all, Jesus did not come in vain. Jesus didn't come so that you can try to put all the pieces together, to look a certain way, and then present yourself. No, Jesus actually came to present you as holy and blameless to the Father because of the blood that was spilled. Because he was the perfect, sacrificial Lamb of God who lived a perfect life, who died a criminal's death even though he was innocent, and who rose again and defeated death. If you know Jesus, then you were saved. You are being saved and you will be saved. All three. And though that's a topic for another time, I just want to encourage you in this process of the world where some of us have already been saved and yet we're not yet with Jesus. That you can actually step in and live into that eternity because you know him. And it's hard because we still live in our flesh. We still have desires of our flesh competing with the desires 
of Christ for our lives. But if you know Christ, then the Holy Spirit has entered you. You can live free. You don't have to live bound. You don't have to live striving because he will clean you up. The fruit of the Spirit means that Jesus comes He cleans you, and as a byproduct come love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you are still living bound by sin, and you're afraid that you've done something that could keep you from the love of Christ, I just want to break that lie out of your head and say there is nothing you could do to separate you from the love of Christ. That there is nothing you could do that is too much for the grace of Jesus Christ to cover, for the blood of Christ to cover. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is no height nor depth you could go to escape the steadfast love of Christ. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. He weaved you together. He knit you intricately. He knew and numbered the days of your life. And he knew that you would be born into a world of sin. He knew that you would turn from him. He knew that some of you might never know him, but he made a way for you to know him. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's no height nor depth you could go to escape the steadfast love of the Lord our God. So I'm just going to pray us out. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're not a God who makes us work to come into your good graces, but you're a God who sent your son to live and die and resurrect from the dead, Lord, so that we might have eternal life with you, Lord, so that we can have a personal relationship with you, God. And I just pray for whoever is listening, God, that if they don't know you, that if they've never put their faith and trust in you, Lord, I just pray for them today, Lord, that they would declare that Jesus is Lord, that wherever they're at, whoever they are, whatever they've done, Lord, that they would know that there's nothing they could do to escape your steadfast, unfailing love, Lord. That they would know that Christ came for them and that they would just step into that today, Lord, and confess and repent and turn back to you, Lord. And God, I pray for the believer who's gotten caught up in the world, Lord, who doesn't know anymore what they believe, who's afraid that they've become the hypocrites, that they've become the one who is clean on the outside but dirty and filthy on the inside, Lord. I pray for them, Lord, that you would remind them that you alone can make them clean, Lord, that they have the opportunity to repent and turn back to you, Lord, and that you are a gracious God, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning, that you knew that they would turn from you, Lord, but that you're calling them back to yourself, Lord, that you would remind them that you alone can make them clean, Lord, that there's nothing they could do to be clean on their own, Lord, but that righteousness is found in faith in Christ alone, Lord. And God, I pray for those who are still a long way off, who have heard this message, but don't believe it, Lord. I pray that you would just stir in their hearts, Lord, a new revelation, that you would call them to yourself, Lord. 
and that they would come. Lord, I thank you for whoever's listening today. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you learned something new about Christ. I hope that you know that you are deeply loved by the creator of the universe, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by a good, good father. Have a wonderful week, you guys, and I hope you'll tune in next Monday for another episode of the Handprints Podcast.